0: They, they What they've done, they've educated me by giving me experiences and the theme and the thread of the education is one of consciousness, consciousness. itself, consciousness. one of shared consciousness, right. uh, not just with one another on the planet but with the trees, the plants, the animals, the whole of life, the ETs, our deceased members as we see them. That consciousness is a conduit for communication. and. Uh, one might even go as far to say that the uh, our conscious energy is the true life form and we are here in the physical to experience a physical life and learn uh, so it increases our conscious energy and our conscious understanding. And when we understand that and you can extend that to the ETs, uh, if uh, it takes away any fear of them because we all share that one consciousness and uh, they're here to help us in that transition to a higher level of consciousness ourselves. We're being accelerated in our evolution and to do that we have to have an understanding of consciousness. And Absolutely. that's the thread that they've they've, uh, they've given me.
1: That is the crux of this whole conversation. That's the crux of every conversation I have on the show. And that's it. You've just hit the nail on the head Kevin, you've just put it all in a nutshell.
2: That's it. You got to accentuate the positive. I feel good. A bit of feel good goes a long way.
1: You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life.
2: Accentuating the positive, it's not just fad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else?
1: like that's what you want to do. Hello, welcome again to another show accentuating the positive with karen swain oh boy do i have someone fascinating to introduce you to today his name is kevin j briggs originally from the uk but now living in florida usa welcome to the show kevin so great to have you on the show
0: thank you karen it's an honor to be here and uh I'm very pleased that you asked me to be on your show. Uh, I do enjoy talking about my experiences now, and uh, I enjoy it uh, tremendously. And I'm getting the message out there that I have to share. So thank you again for inviting me on your show.
1: I'm very excited about you, Kevin. You remind me somewhat uh, your mandate, your mission here on Earth, somewhat similar to Garnet Schulhauser, same, same, but different. In that you've both, um, anyway, we'll get into your story. You're kind of the same but different, completely different in many ways. Let me read your bio and tell you a little bit about Kevin. Kevin J. Briggs is an author and specialises in consciousness and the connection to ET and UFOs. He recently published his book titled Spiritual Consciousness, A Personal Journey and covers 56 years of his experiences of ET contact and UFOs. Connections, UFO connections. How do we know we are conscious is some of the questions that you pose. Some people never achieve knowing about consciousness. Some people find it hard to understand and believe. So this book uh, is for people who are curious or perhaps they themselves have had an experience that they cannot explain and don't know where to turn. You're not alone, you say. Kevin Speaks to many groups of UFO and ET enthusiasts who are always eager to hear his interactions. He's written articles which have been published in Truth magazine and his published book was also mentioned in Psychic News UK. Kevin has appeared on local radio stations and recently filmed a TV show called Unlocking Your Limitless Life. That sounds fascinating. I'd love to hear more about that, Kevin.
0: Yes, it was fascinating. Yes, I still keep in touch with Susan Schatzer, who was the presenter on that. And uh, um, she's a very vibrant person, and she's promoted the ET Consciousness and Contact. Uh, and I was introduced to her. She was given a message by her guides uh, to come and meet me. And we met, and then she asked me to appear on her TV show. And um, we did a show quite a few months ago. In fact, it was last year, I think. and. Um, uh, so yes, very interesting, a very interesting person is Oh,
1: okay. So the TV show's been, was it aired on mainstream TV or was it on just on in the internet?
0: No, it's, all, it's just on the internet. And Actually, I don't think Sue's actually aired it yet. She's waiting for the right time and date to air it. Uh, ah. So I'm happy whenever she airs it. But it's its just about the book and uh, very similar to what you're doing yeah. uh, about right. the ET
1: Oh, okay. Uh, and just, you've also spoken at conferences last September at the Miami Free Conference, Contact Experience Conference, hosted by Edgar, uh, the Edgar Mitchell Foundation of Research in Extraterrestrial and uh, Extraordinary Experiences. Um, look, you know, you're also a conscious channel. Um, when I say a conscious channel, you are not, you are aware when you're channeling, like you don't leave your body and then have no memory and come back, right?
0: Uh, I have uh, different modalities of contact. Uh, I've been able to travel outside of my body uh, from the age of uh, nine, and I believe that ability was given, we all have that ability, but that was enhanced by my ET guides when I was nine. I'm also able to channel now, which is a more recent occurrence, probably in the last three years, where I'm able to channel uh, some of the guides themselves. Uh, I am aware of what's going on around me, uh, I'm not. I'm separating my consciousness to allow them to come into my physical and use their consciousness to speak. Uh, they call it uh, dual conscious physical communication. Lovely. So, but that's a new uh, contact modality for me in the last uh, three years. Uh, up dual, until that, it was say, out of say body. Say that again.
1: That's a great title. Dual consciousness. What, dual
0: what conscious physical communication
1: lovely i like that
0: so we've got consciousness we've got mine and i move it to one side then their consciousness comes into my physical and allows them to speak through me
1: yeah which is unlike an unconscious channel who not only moves their consciousness aside, they leave the building. They kind of say, see here, I'm going flying around the universe. You can take over the vehicle. (laughs) So anyway, okay, well, let's get into your story because you've had uh, many experiences. It started when you were a child and um, I want to talk about them, but I I also wanted to talk about Susie Hansen. Have you met Susie Hansen from New Zealand?
0: No. No, I haven't, no.
1: In your travels? Well, she is an experiencer. She's written a book called The Dual Soul Connection and she's coming into the Inner Sanctum coming up. I have uh, online sessions where I invite a guest teacher. I'll invite you to come in next year, if you like, to meet a little tribe of people that um, are members of my Inner Sanctum tribe. And we talk about consciousness and deliberate creation and expansion of awareness and all sorts of things. Anyway, Susie's coming in. She's been on the show. She talks about the three waves of volunteers and she talks about the second wave are the people that have had a lifetime of experiences that are now coming out to share their experiences with the world. And as they share their experiences, the world awakens. And you're very much one of, because you've only just started talking about it since you wrote the book. You've sort of kept it under your belt for a long I life. have, yes. Well,
0: perhaps I can. Perhaps I could expand on that if I start from what made me write the book and then go back to the beginning where I originally started. It was a few years ago now, about three years probably, I got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, came back into the uh, bedroom, I got into bed, and I was just about to snuggle down into bed when there was a bright light outside the bedroom window. The light came into the bedroom and lit up the whole of the bedroom like a myriad of butterflies. But it was just pure white light. And then Orton D, two of my ET guides, materialized at the bottom of the bed. Now, bearing in mind, I'm used to seeing them, I'm used to interacting with them. So, after uh, introductions and pleasantries, I asked what was the reason for their visit. And they said, Kevin, we want you to uh, talk about your interactions with us, to share your experiences. Uh, And we would also like you to write a book. In fact, you will write two books and uh, i said well i don't mind talking about my experiences with you uh but i'm not a writer (laughs) and they said well we will continue to guide you we will continue to teach you and we will give you some information to include in the book which they did the following morning i woke up i told my wife that i was going to write this book and i started writing it the following day Uh, i managed to get it published and it was published last may it came out last may last year just been out over a year now and uh, since then i've been speaking to different groups um i've spoken at different conferences and i'm surprised at the interest in the uh uh, my journey really but if i hadn't been asked to do that um i probably would have gone to my grave without telling anyone of my experiences my wife knew my uh, brother knew but no one else did i was just happy with interacting with my extended family. So that's the reason why I wrote the book. And after 57 years now, they have never asked anything of me. They've shown me many wondrous things uh, and interacted with what I call uh, my extended family. Um, Just as you will go and visit your aunts and your uncles, uh, I go and visit my ETs and they visit me as well. So, So that's how the book became to be written. Um but my actual journey started when I was three years old. Uh, my mother engaged a photographer, a photographer, to come and take some photographs for the family album. And uh, the photographer came. We were duly washed and hair combed, placed on a, an oak table, uh, quite an elevated position. And from that position, I looked around, and not only did, did I see it from a different perspective, I realized that I was conscious. And I realized I was conscious again in a physical body. I told my wife that story many, many years ago. And she said, Kevin, three-year-olds don't know about consciousness. And three-year-olds don't think like that. I said, well, I did, and I do. And that was the beginning of my own conscious journey uh, as a three-year-old. So, uh, uh, and I think I have a photograph of me at three with the actual photograph. I mentioned it to my brother when I was writing the book and he said, I have that photograph. So he included it in the book.
1: Oh, lovely. I know I haven't had a chance to look over your book yet, okay. uh, but um, I'd love to do that actually. Uh, have a read of it. I should have done it before the show, but anyway, timing, can't read everybody's books, but okay. yeah. So uh, it's, it's beautiful that you said you thought that you were going to go to your grave, just having told maybe a couple of people, but these experiences didn't happen for naught. You know, the similarity between you and Garnet is that your spirit guide appeared to you and said, right, it's time to get into action. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah so absolutely. when you when they appeared, so there's two of them, right? What are their names? Alt?
0: Alt, O-R-T, Alt. O-R-T, Ort. Ort, name Ort,
1: Ort
0: yeah. Her name is D-E-E uh, and she's female.
1: Oort and D, Oort and D, And where are they from?
0: Uh, They're Arcturians, they tell me. And they're from Andromeda.
1: Okay, Arcturians. And what do they look like?
0: Well, they, uh, well, if I tell you the story of how I first met them, in that I will describe what they look like. Okay. On my first occasion when I met them, I was eight years old. I was at home. I was having my weekly bath which is what we used to do in those days. I don't know how hygienic that was, but we had a weekly bath. The rest of the time we were sponged down with soap and water. And I was in the bath on my own, just enjoying myself. And as a child, I was always aware of the different vibrational frequencies around me, where I was stood within the room. And there was a change in the vibrational frequency and I picked up on it straight away. There was a a change in temperature, which usually occurs. And uh, I looked to my right-hand side and there were two beings, stood there, slightly elevated off the floor, about eight inches, probably maybe 12 inches. Both very attractive, long both had long blonde hair, both had blue eyes, uh, and I say very, very attractive. And uh, they were wearing a tight-fitting blue, what I call a jumpsuit. They were speaking to one another telepathically. And I remember the conversation to this day, I didn't include it in the book, I think it says she said. D said to Art, "Are you sure this is a boy?" And they were talking to one another telepathically, and I was obviously listening to the conversation. And he said, "Yes, this is a boy." And then she said, uh, "Are you sure?" Uh, she said, "He's uh, he's just look at him. He's small. He's uneducated, and he's frightened by our presence." And she was correct. I was terrified at the time. And Art said, no, this is the boy, I will guide him, I will teach him. There was some other conversation, and then they, uh, they just disappeared. No direct contact with me, other than me listening to the conversation. As I said, I was terrified by the event, and I just stayed in the bath. I decked and out of the bath, the water went cold. My mother came to find out why I was still in the bath. She came in and said, what are you doing? I said, well, there were two beings in the bathroom and I didn't get out of the bath, and The water had gone cold. I was shivering. She said, don't be silly. It's your imagination. So uh, she dragged me off and, uh, and then I obviously went on with my evening. So that was my first physical encounter with Orton D. And uh, I've been in contact with them all my life.
1: Okay, so they were observing you, but they weren't really interacting with you at the time. They weren't saying, you know, "Hello, Kevin. It's okay. We're here with you." No. So, um, which is kind of odd, really. uh, Trying to, you know, soothe your worried mind as as an eight-year-old. What? They knew that you could perceive them, so they—that's kind of. Oh, clearly
0: yes, and they—they she clearly picked up on my fear uh, because she mentioned it. You know, so. Yeah, probably a, a strange start, but uh, um, I suppose my next experience—I'd be nine years old, about uh, just a year later—and on that occasion, I, I remember it again. I remember it all really. Uh, on the, it was a Sunday, and I had some friends round to my home, and we were playing. Uh, the friends were leaving; it was uh, early evening, and turned back and came into the house and I could feel an energy in the house. Again, nothing unusual for me, but it was quite a strong energy. So I went to look around the home to see if I could see who was here, or there, should I say. And uh, I went upstairs in the bedrooms, back down in the kitchen, back into the living room. And then I, uh, for some reason, I was drawn to the window and I looked behind the drapes or the curtains and uh, there was this orange-yellow orb behind the curtain. It was about four to six inches across, and it was slightly vibrated. There was no communication at all, um, but it remained in the house until the following Friday for a whole week. I have no recollection of any communication with it at all, but after it left, my psychic abilities were enhanced, no end, where I was able to leave my body and separate my consciousness from my physical just at will, And I would do that generally at the weekends uh, to visit my grandparents. I would leave my uh, physical body, fly over to their home. I would go upstairs uh, and sit in a, a chair that they had in a dressing room in the master bedroom upstairs. I would sit down and watch them through the floor, which was opaque. My grandmother would usually be in the kitchen cooking on a Sunday. And my grandfather would be either reading the newspaper or watching the TV. And I did this as a child every week, and I at that time I thought that was quite normal. Everybody did that. It was just another one of our senses, you know, taste, hearing, sight, smell, touch, and out of body. Oh, Everyone. Kevin,
1: wouldn't it be great if it was? I mean, I can see a day when it is just another one of our senses and we can all fly around in our astral bodies at will. I don't know when that's going to be in the future, but obviously it happens. Uh, in ET environments or higher dimensional or other Earths or, or other you know planets or whatever, but it it's uh, it talks about you know how we're never alone. I mean, who knows how many beings, be it spirit beings or astral beings or ETs, are sitting here watching us eat our breakfast or do exactly, all the things yes. that we do.
2: <laughs> I know <laughs> that
1: when I have these shows, I have a big mob that turns up to listen. You know, they.
2: Yeah,
0: okay. Well, I What are you up to? Up to. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I, i'm exactly the same i find that uh, if i'm talking about it they will turn up and sometimes other people will yeah. see them and i don't which is uh, oh, yeah, uh yeah. Interesting. yeah um so yeah,
1: okay let me get back to your childhood experience so at nine when you saw the orb that's when all the psychic ability and the of body ability kicked in so the orb sort of shifted something in your dna so that you could at will have this experience not explaining it to a nine-year-old but So a nine-year-old's just thinking, oh, this is cool. This is what happens when you're nine. (laughs) (laughs) Did you discuss it with your friends at school? You're like, oh, you know when you leave your body and you go to your grandma's house and they go, no.
0: (laughs) I did try to find other people that were uh, able to leave the body and travel outside of the body. But I asked in a third party. I always said a friend of mine says he's able to leave his body and travel and he sees his family and friends. And they always used to say, no, it must be exaggerated. No, nobody can do that. And then um, when I got to about 16 and 17, I actually asked and D for more information. And then because I couldn't find any. And then they came, gave me more information. But the, the Orton, I now know, I uh, sub- subsequently found out that was Orton. Pure conscious energy of. That was his energy. So he came as pure conscious energy of. And I always wondered when I sat up there in my grandparents' um, uh, dressing room in the master bedroom, what they would see if they came upstairs. And I now know the answer to that question. They would have seen uh, an orangey-yellow orb, slightly vibrating, uh, and that would have been my conscious energy
1: of. Well, well, they might not have seen it yet. They might have seen it because I think that uh, I think that people like you who have experiences where they can see through what they perceive as their physical eyes or outside eyes have have had adjustments to the rods and the cones in their physical apparatus to perceive a broader band of frequency. And and I think that the majority of us don't have that ability. Otherwise, we would see orbs and things, you know, spirits and astral beings everywhere through our outside eyes. I think a lot of us perceive it through our third eye, which is how I see. I don't see, I do see lights. I see points of lights and sort of blurry orbs, but not, it doesn't ever stay so that I can just look at it and go, oh, hello, you know, like it sort of disappears. I see it more through the peripheral. And apparently the cones and the rods in our eyes have a different, like they're a bit stronger in the peripheral vision than they are. Right. I don't know. There's, there's a science to it, which I don't quite understand. But, um, yeah, they would have perceived, you would have looked like an orb, yeah, if they could see you. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. All right. Um, so let's continue with your story.
2: Okay, um, well, um,
0: I, um, probably my next encounter would be I would be, Uh, 14 and uh, another six years later um, but bearing in mind I'm enjoying my uh, life as a child I'm enjoying traveling outside of my body thinking it's perfectly normal
1: are you still in the UK at this point at 14? I'm still in the UK
0: yes and uh, at this time I had a paper out and every time I went out to the house on the morning to do the paper out there was always a UFO above the house I'd always look up, see the UFO, and I'd set off to get, collect my papers. And the second UFO would always come along uh, from probably the opposite direction. They would come together and follow me around the paper round. And uh, this was almost every day. And, uh, and while I was walking around the paper round, I was aware that there were other beings with me. They were either the other side of the heads, the other side of the wall, but I could feel their vibrational frequency, I knew they were there, and at one point, I got a little bit paranoid, I thought they were following me, and I realised later, they were following me, they were wanting to communicate with me, and then on one occasion, I plucked up the courage, and I said, look, I know you're there, I know you're following me, Um, uh, why don't you show yourself and communicate, and two small, what I now know to be greys, came from round the hedge, and spoke to me. Uh, they said that I asked them what they wanted, I wasn't frightened. Uh, they were about the same height as me as a 14-year-old, but large heads, just like greys, but I wasn't frightened by them. And they said, oh, there's a group of people that would like to meet with you. Um, would you come with us? And I said, well, um, I've got to finish my paper round first. I uh, said, so I've nearly finished, I've just got a few more to deliver. And then I have to be back to school for nine o'clock or." Uh, so I said I can't be way too long they said no okay we'll take you and you won't be late. way too long and we'll bring you back and you'll be in time for school, I said right okay then I'll go with you, so I went with them <laughs> we went in a craft up to a mothership and uh, I only know it was a mothership because when we pulled into the hangar it was huge and there was all these different sizes of craft there uh, and it was huge and and uh, Uh, We got out of the craft, they escorted me towards uh, a corridor, and I was walking through the hangar. There was another small grey working on one of the craft. He's a a technician and a pilot. I know him now, I've met him since, and he waved at me. So being polite, I waved back. There was no communication. Then we led through this corridor and through another corridor, and I went down to an amphitheatre, went into this big amphitheatre, and it was full of all different species of beings. And at the bottom of the amphitheatre uh, was a stage with a semicircular table there. And at that table, there were eight beings. And these were the eight beings that wanted to meet with me. And I thought at the time, they just wanted to see the small human boy. Uh, they were just interested in what humans looked like. I realized now it was much bigger than that. The eight that actually were sat at the front of the uh, amphitheatre are a council, a council of eight that are responsible for this quadrant of our galaxy. So I was introduced to them as from the left to the right, um, and I was okay until I got to uh, one of the beings was a mantis, and uh, I was a bit frightened, a bit perturbed by that because he was. uh, very strange looking to me, like a large grasshopper. How tall was he? Uh, he uh, well, they were all sat down, so and he didn't stand up, so I couldn't uh, uh, gauge a height with him. But uh, it was just the fact he was a very large insect, really. But I got the impression he was very intelligent, and I have met him since, and uh, I have communicated with him. And
1: uh, um, what's his name, or what does he call his name?
2: himself? His name is
0: Chinka.
1: Chica. And Chica. how tall is he? Like we've well, met him since. Have you seen him stand up?
0: Um, let me think now. Now you mentioned it. I probably have, oh, yes. <laughs> yes. I remember meeting him once and I asked him if he was a an entomologist. And uh, he uh, he looked down on me. Yeah, I could I can see it now. He looked down on me, and um, you know that look your mother gives you when you've done something that's uh, done something that's wrong and she's chastising you and she gives you that look he gave me that look of you know uh, no I'm not an entomologist uh, he didn't say anything else but yes he was stood up then so he'd probably be say about six foot six probably maybe seven foot maybe yes so uh, uh, but um, I haven't had a great deal of interaction with him but some of the others I have um, obviously, Alt and D were part of the eight, they were sat on the left-hand side, and then there was uh, Anna, she uh, looks like a blue avian type bird, and uh, she's very um, compassionate. In fact, when I was uh, introduced to Chica, the mantis, she stood up and came around and walked around to me, and put her arm around me, because she felt that I was concerned about uh, being introduced to Chica. Uh, and then we, we moved on to Zach.
1: Hang on, hang on, let me get back to the Blue Navian. So, what does she look like? Or, or So, no, this is your 14 year old memory, and you haven't yeah. seen them together like that that you can remember since you were 14, right?
0: Yes, yes. I have met them before. In fact, not so long ago, I, was, I went looking for them because I haven't heard from the group for about two or three weeks. And I went looking for them. I couldn't find them. I came back into my bedroom. When I say I went looking for them, out of body looking for them.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: Uh, yeah. When I came back about a couple of minutes later, all eight appeared in my bedroom uh, looking down upon me. And uh, I said, I've been looking for you. Where have you been? And they said, Yes, we know you've been looking for us. That's why we're here.
1: Um, Okay, well, let's get back to that story. Let's go back to the 14 year old, you being introduced to the eight. What did the blue avian type look like?
2: Right,
0: okay. Well, I'll describe it as uh, she was about probably, I'm going by my height when I was uh, probably five, five foot five or something like that. Not very tall. Uh, very small, tight blue feathers. Uh, normal size eyes, I would say. Uh, and she had a, a beak, but it was a, uh, I've looked at some photographs on the internet and they always show the blue avians with like a uh, a chicken beak, but her beak was a uh, like a duck beak, uh, but not as uh, it didn't protrude out that far. But it was a, certainly a duck shape in its uh, so that way. Yeah.
1: If you could imagine like that. You know, sometimes the um the indigenous tribe put plates in their lips, and they have these yes yes these
2: that's things, a good, sort of that's yeah a good analogy
0: yes mm-hmm. that's an excellent analogy yes okay right so, uh, there's no there's no pictures on the internet of that particular type of blue avian uh I'm not sure why perhaps nobody else has seen her but uh, uh, but that's the image she shows me yes yeah
1: that's the image she shows okay so you've got you the mantid you've got ord and d who are like they're tall. They're what, over six foot? Uh,
0: probably, uh, no, probably six foot, R&D. Uh, not much taller than I am now. I'm about, uh, uh, so about the same height as me.
1: So they but appear they humanoid. They appear humanoid. Oh, no, but
2: yes, human.
0: yeah. beautiful
1: with they long blonde me. hair.
2: Or, or at That's least someone, Yeah, yes,
0: yes. They tell me I'm part of. To have extended family, the only difference is their physical is in the fifth dimension, and my physical is in the third dimension. But well, I this
1: particular physical is in the third dimension. This particular physical that they're interacting with, yeah. Okay, so all right. So we as humans are able to perceive fifth dimensional physical through our physical eyes. Is that? Well, a well you could. Is it? Can, can. everyone? Do that. Um, You know, I I wonder about this. I I don't know, really.
2: Um, um, Well,
1: maybe we can can do a bit of a channeling and we can ask some questions (laughs) like that. How do you feel about that later, a bit later after you share your story?
0: Okay, I'd have to think about it. If I'm going to do a channel, I like to prepare mentally for it and I like to decide if I can or who will actually communicate with me. Um... So, and I have done it when I've been on the spot a few times and I always find that the connection is not as good as if I'm prepared for it.
1: Now they're saying, don't worry, it'll be good. It'll be good. <laughs> got, don't worry, there's, you've got me with you. That's, it's all good. Okay. okay, so you've got those three and who else was on the, on the committee, on the on the? Council? Okay,
0: well, the, the, uh, the guy sat in the centre was called Ra, and he spells his name R A H. Uh, he's Anunnaki, and he leads the group. Um, quite a powerful. He,
1: he, he leads the group. Did you say?
0: He, he's the leader. Yes, of the group. Mm-hmm. And then uh, to his right, from where I was looking, uh, would be Targ. He's a tall grey. Uh, he's responsible. He tells me he's responsible for the security, uh, not only of the Council of Eight, but the security of this quadrant of the galaxy and the different species. And then uh, obviously Chica, who I've already mentioned. And then last would be Orla. She was a tall white. Uh, and that's the group of eight that I've interacted with uh, all my life at different stages. But the main guides and teachers
2: are and D.
1: So what does the tall white appear as, look like? You know, I want uh, to say look at me, because I, I think that, We we could all probably look at them and see something sort of different, really.
2: Yeah,
0: I would say again, probably, yeah, six, just maybe six feet, just taller than six feet, possibly, a a longish neck and a a smaller type features in the face with this long hair uh, that looks, um, how would I describe it? uh, Opaque, like um, plastic tubing or something. But uh, uh, that's how I would describe her. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, plastic tubing is it? it's probably a poor description. Uh, hair that's hollow. Hollow hair. Hollow hair and an opaque in colour. Yeah. You can almost see through it.
1: I've got it. Yeah, they've given me an image.
2: Oh, OK. Um, OK, that's well, good. Then. All
1: right. Um, and where is she from?
0: I don't know specifically where she is from. Uh, I know some are from the uh, 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 Pleiades system, from, from some from Sirius and obviously Andromeda for Orton D, and uh, uh, the Pleiades, I said the Pleiades, haven't I? So we've got the Pleiades, Andromeda, Sirius, Orion. Those are the ones that, uh, and I know the small greys from the Pleiades, um, I don't know, specifically where they're all all from and the mantid where's the
1: mantid from
0: uh, again i asked him specifically uh, i find that if, if they don't always give me information unless i ask a specific question yeah, uh yeah so i uh, i i don't fully know where and i think when they did give me i did ask them once where they were from and they didn't identify each individual but they gave me those five areas where they were from but they're all here now anyway they're in our solar system uh, they're in our galaxy they're all around us in fact one of them zark he has a, a great sense of humor and uh, when i spoke to him on numerous occasions uh, when i fe- i actually felt his emotion when he was laughing if you think laughter is an emotion which it probably is but to feel the emotion of a small et Uh, is quite an amazing feeling really to see him and to feel the emotion at the same time but I'm sure they all communicate like that amongst themselves and they're just teaching me the rudimentaries of uh, different forms of communication I think but he moves my wife's personal items around the house and I asked him why he did that and he said because he likes teasing her he thinks it's funny but there's a serious side to it and the serious side is to let her know that we are here, we are amongst you. And, uh, okay,
1: okay, so I've got so many questions. <laughs> um, first of all, when you met the council of eight, you're obviously communicating with them telepathically when you're because you're in your astral form, right? You're taken in your astral form. Uh, to no, where-
0: I think on the, uh, the, I was taken physically. Uh, when when I was 14 uh, I think so yes and um, that's my recollection of it Uh, but the I think a lot of the other communication has been astral or out of body because consciousness can be used for communication uh, for travel for creation itself and they've shown me how to do all those things and they're the modalities of contact that they use, and I am able to do that as well. So I use consciousness as my telephone, as it were. Uh and then yeah. obviously, we, yeah. So you probably understand that. You probably do the same. Oh, yourself. yeah,
1: yes, I do. But I'd like to go into it for people that are listening and watching. Oh, okay. You, you actually go into it a little bit in the book, but let's just get continue the story. There's so many things to ask you. So your wife is up to speed with all this. I mean, did you? meet her and and just tell her your story from the get-go or did
0: you um you no, know? When, I, when, I, when i met my wife uh and decided that uh, uh, i was going to ask her to marry me i thought well i better tell her some uh, give her some more information first because i don't want to get married then she finds out that uh, i'm able to send higher conscious beings or spiritual beings or our deceased family members uh so i i told her i said that uh, know i have these extra abilities i'm able to detect when there's a change in vibration in the room and when there's maybe a deceased member of family here or higher mm-hmm. conscious beings and she said uh, well that's fine but if you see a, a spirit in the house can you tell me and let me know because i want to see you oh uh, so,
1: she was really open so, to it <laughs> so she yeah.
0: was open to the ideas and uh, and I couldn't do this without the support of my wife. And, and now the ETs, they interact with her, they show a craft. Um, and uh, in fact, she had a, an interesting experience not so long ago. I was getting up one morning, it was about 8.30, and I thought, I'll just see if I can contact the group of eight and have some interaction with them. So I relaxed, I opened my mind, and uh, I wasn't able to communicate with them, but I communicated with a small craft that was flying past our home. Mm -hmm. and it turned out to be the Tia, who I know is a small grey, who was piloting the craft, and I said, what are you doing here? He said, oh, we were in the area uh, and we wanted to come and see where you lived. There was about five or six or seven greys in the craft with him. So we had a little bit of conversation. He said, well, we can't stay because we uh, were off course, but we just came to see where you live." So, okay, that's fine. And then they left. Nothing unusual for me, I'm quite happy with that. I got up, my wife had been up about half an hour, she fed the dogs, she was sat outside by the pool, and uh, I went to sit down with my coffee, and she says, oh, you've missed the most beautiful rainbow. I said, oh, did you get a photograph of it? She said, yes, I did. And we have five acres at the back at that time, there was nobody behind us, and the rainbow went from one fence all the way around to the other fence, the full 180 degrees, and, she, uh, she said, we're not going to believe what happened next. I said, no, oh, what happened next? She said, oh, a UFO appeared under the rainbow. I said, did you get a photograph of it? She said, yes, I did. She said, I was actually taking a photograph of the rainbow when it appeared. So I thought, what's that? Lifted it up and clicked the camera on the iPad. And she got a photograph of it. Ooh, uh,
1: maybe, again, you could, it your, maybe you could uh, send me that um, photo and I'll pop it on the YouTube.
0: Okay, I can do, yes. She, uh, the interesting thing about it was that uh, we looked at the time on the photograph and it was 8.30 a.m., the time I was speaking to the craft with the occupants.
2: So oh. we had that
0: synchronicity there with the time on the photograph. Um, but she has had the photograph published in the new Observations magazine. Okay. Uh, so, But the craft is a little bit blurred. I suspect... That uh, it was just materialized for an instant to show Sandy that they were there and it took off straight away. And she just caught it, either it was dematerializing or it was moving off at speed. Uh, but we do see them fairly regular in different forms uh, the back of the house.
1: <sighs> your, your life is amazing. You know, <laughs> I was one of those kids that, you know, when they used to talk about UFOs and stuff. I would go, Oh, it'd be so cool if an alien came to say hello or, you know, and I never had any of those experiences as kids. I had other experiences, but not with the UFOs and all that sort of thing. Um, yeah. I'm sure
0: there are many, and there are many of us being asked to speak out now and I'm uh, connecting with other experiences well, exactly. and, and uh, that, that's an amazing, really. that gives me confirmation and confidence to speak about it. And, and when you speak to people like yourselves, or have experiences anyway, we share so much, we have so much in common. and uh, We all help one another, uh, expanding our knowledge of our contact with our ET extended family.
1: Yeah, which is, you know, how Susie talks about the second wave of volunteers. She talks about the first wave, it's really interesting, the first waves are what people call the indigos, the star children, the... which are the more psychic heal the healers of our world the healers and the teachers and they've been coming in you know well past 100 years and they will they will continue to come in it's like this big span of time there's no finite part of time but she says the second wave of volunteers are the experiences that have that's a more finite they've sort of come in the volunteers if you like and they've had these experiences and their job is to share is to share it and so all these people are awakening you know especially since 2012 they're they're having the courage to speak up and they're sharing their experiences writing books their guides are saying right time for you to write a book time for you to put your story down on paper and uh, so yeah that would be you I guess I speak to those people on the show you know I'm sort of um, showcasing the second wave all right let's get in back to the council what are you looking at there you're looking at something trying, i've
0: got some notes here that uh, so i get everything in order that's all oh yeah it. we don't have to be in
1: order but um okay <laughs> we i'll <laughs> oh, guide you don't worry we're all over the shop okay we're back you're 14 you meet the council why did they summon you what did they say to you what was their message
0: i asked them that it was just for me to be introduced to them they were not the other way around actually They wanted to meet me, that's what they said. Uh, They wanted to meet me, uh, and that's why I was there. I didn't realise at the time that the audience, it was very similar to our our United Nations, where you'll have a panel at the front, and then you've got all the delegates that fill up up the amphitheatre, and that's what it was. That's where I was taken to meet with this group. Um, I didn't realise that at the time. I now know that uh, I've learnt that since then. Yeah, uh, I But guess when it, I got to probably the next episode will be after 14, uh, 16, 17, maybe 18-ish. No, 16, 17 probably. Uh, I know where I was when I was having the experiences. So I associate that where I was by the, the time and how, how old I was.
2: Yeah, yeah, but I, was right about
0: 16, I left home at 16, and I got my own apartment and I know where I was 16, 17, 18. And it was at that period of time, I used to use my outer body just for pleasure uh, if i was going to see a friend say on sunday and i think oh, I'll walk round to his house or oh, i better make sure he's at home first before i walk the 15 minutes to his house So i didn't have a cell phone i didn't have a vehicle so i just close my eyes relax fly over to his house see if he was there and then walk round to his house and then we would go out for the afternoon or something or if on the morning when i used to get the bus to work i could walk to two separate bus stops and uh each route had a, a different line of people. Sometimes there were, uh, you know, 30, 40 people waiting to get on a bus. Uh, and the other route might only be four or five. So I used to just leave my body, look at the different routes, and then choose which one to go to. Um, and then if I was coming home from work, it was a nice summer's day, I'd leave my body and just fly behind the bus because it was enjoyable to be flying in the sunshine. Now, but I wasn't, as I said earlier, I was unable to find anybody else. So one evening, I okay, to okay,
1: me. I'm going to get back to you, but I just want to ask a question about that. So you're sitting on the bus and you know how to project your consciousness out of your body and fly behind the bus because it's enjoyable, you say. Yes. So your body sitting on the bus, is it sitting there with its eyes open and aware or are you kind of in a meditative state, like are your eyes shut? Like what's your body doing when your consciousness is out of it? Well,
0: body? that's a very good question. I was always relaxed. I enjoy traveling and I'm, I can relax at the drop of a hat. I'm very
2: yeah, uh, able
0: to relax. <laughs> so I may well have had my eyes closed, I don't know.
1: Right, which is not unusual but, to see if people on a bathroom. clearly,
0: uh, I'm behind the bus. I can see two children on this particular occasion talking about uh, myself uh, sat in a couple of seats in front of them. And they were trying to decipher whether that time the uh, fashion... Was for men to have long shoulder-length hair, and I had long shoulder-length hair. And then they had these uni uh, coats that either males or females could wear. And the two boys were about nine or ten, and they were trying to decide whether it was a man or a woman sat in front of them, four or five seats in front. Which so I was this conversation? Yeah. yeah. So when I went back into the body and I got up out of the seat, I said to one of the lads, I said, "You were correct." It's a male that was sat in
2: front
0: of me. <laughs> <laughs> and what the did he looked say? You know, I was quite funny. But, uh, but again, I didn't think it was anything unusual. Until, as I say, Kevin, I bet you were so
1: cute back then. <laughs> 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 Apple of your mother's eye. Okay, go on.
0: <laughs> and, uh, uh, so one evening I went to bed and I thought, there's got to be more to this. Where am I going to get more information? I thought, I'll ask Orton D. So I laid in bed. I relaxed, I call it, I opened my mind. I held my hand out and asked Art, I said, can you give me some more information? There must be a lot more information out there and I can't find anybody to teach me. So he came, okay, he took hold of my hand. I left my body with him. I looked down, I could see my body. It was asleep. He went out through the window. I was uh, three stories up and we just flew around the uh, subdivision or the estate, uh, came back into the window, I looked down, I could see my body, and I went back into my body. Uh, I woke up the following morning, and I thought, uh, well, that was cool. Uh, I wasn't sure whether I was dreaming or whether it was real. So the following evening, I did the same again. I went to bed, I relaxed, I opened my mind, I held my hand out, and asked Ork to come and guide me. He came, he took hold of my hand, I left my body. I looked down, I could see myself asleep. We went out through the window. This time we went a little bit further. Went down into the city centre uh, to Leeds where I lived at at that time in the UK. We flew around the city centre. I recognised the town hall, the hospital, the university where I worked at the time. And then we flew back, back into the window and my body was asleep and I went back down into my body. The third evening, I'm still not fully convinced. Uh, So I asked Art to come again and show me some art. So he comes again. We go out, not this time through the window, because I'm still not certain whether I'm sleepwalking, dreaming or what. So I said, yes, I'm happy to go and travel with you, but um, I'm not happy about going out through the window because we're three stories up and it's concrete pavement below. Can we go out through the roof? And we went out through the roof. And then all subsequent journeys, we left through the roof and we traveled all over on the astral plane as uh, uh, pure conscious energy, uh, sharing, traveling. Uh, and then on one occasion, he said to me, Kevin, I'm going to take you somewhere special this evening. Are you prepared to go with me? I said, yes, I'll go anywhere you want to go. So we left, he took hold of my hand. I looked down, I could see my body asleep. We left through the roof. And we travelled up and up and up and up. And I could see the earth getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And then we took what I always describe as a right-hand turn. I think that's the wrong terminology, but that's the words I can use to describe it. I believe we went into a higher dimension. And uh, uh, we went into this higher dimension, and there was a line of people stood there. At the front of the line was my father, my deceased father, who was stood up. I'd never seen him standing, because he'd always been in a wheelchair from when I was born. Okay. So to see him standing was uh, amazing for me. And he had a big, beaming smile, and there was this line of about 30 people, and they all welcomed me, and this tremendous feeling of love that was given to me from this group. And he said, Kevin, I'm going to introduce you to your family. So he introduced me, I went down the line, I uh, interacted with them, then we got halfway down the line and instead of seeing a physical form i saw a pure conscious energy or again four to six inches in color um slightly vibrating but i was still able to com- communicate with them telepathically i was able they were able to show me an image of themselves when they were in the last physical and we went i went down the line and spoke to them all and then uh uh, they wanted me to stay with them, and I said, No, I can't stay here. I've got a physical, I'm enjoying my physical, and I've got things I need to do. So, on that occasion, uh, uh, I left. And then, but I visited them on many occasions for over a two year period, probably. And I got so confident and comfortable with it, I would do it on my own without art. He'd show me that they were there, they uh, are their physical as ceased their conscious energy still lives on and uh, and the reason why I stopped going to see them was because I was finding it more and more difficult to get back into my body and they were wanting me to stay with them and I said I feel as if I stay with you uh my physical would die and I have things I need to do and I'm enjoying my physical I'm enjoying being down here on, on earth as it were or down there on earth
1: well, okay, I can't tell you how refreshing that is to hear because most people, you know, who talk about having experiences of being non-physical uh, talk about how difficult it is to be physical once you've experienced the freedom of, you know, living outside the limitations of the physical body and mind. And to, so for somebody who has experienced that freedom to say, I'm enjoying my time in my physical body here on earth with all the challenges that is, you know, it is to be a human and you know, hormones kicking in and girlfriend breakups and, you know, trauma, trauma, trauma. And so uh, from that perspective, you seem so enlightened that you can enjoy the ride and not, you know, resist it. Uh,
2: Yes, I
0: suppose so. I think I was quite fortunate. I didn't fully understand the magnitude of it all, I don't think. To me, it was just normal. It was who I was. It was just an extension of our uh, spiritual side, which is part of our... Um, who we are. Um, and I, I do remember I decided not to go and see them anymore. I was at work, I had a conscious decision. I thought, well, I'm having difficulty getting back, but I cannot just not go see them again. I will ask them, uh, I'll go back and visit them this evening and let them know I won't be coming back to see them again. So that evening I relaxed, I opened my mind, I went to visit them and again, this huge feeling of love that was there. And again, they didn't want me to leave. But I said, look, if I if I don't leave, I feel that my physical may die. And as I've said, I'll enjoy my physical. So I won't be coming back to see you again. But I know you're here. I know when my physical does die, you will open me with open arms and tremendous love. So uh, I left, they tried to persuade me to stay, but I left. And I've never been back to visit them since. But as I say, I know they are there uh, uh, and I can communicate with them if I need to. So.
1: so this is what I want to know. With all this phenomena happening to you, I know that it, it was just so normal to you because, you know, it seems, it seems so weird and strange to people that don't have that experience, right? It, oh, seems, sure. like,
2: oh, sure, it yeah. seems
1: completely not normal and it seems like, you know, crazy. But to people that are having these experiences, it always seems so normal. I know that when I have experiences, it's just, it's just like normal. It's just like breathing. It's so normal. Um, di- didn't you ask? Uh, didn't you want to sort of talk about it with other people or want more help? I mean, did you ask? I, I tried to say find
0: to... other people, but I, uh, I because I wasn't able to. We didn't have obviously computers in those days. Um, I asked my uh, social circle of friends. Uh, but no one had any knowledge or any interest in it, so I just accepted it. I didn't talk about it and just went with the flow, as it were. And I was—I uh, kept asking for more information, more information, and they kept uh, uh, giving me. It. And uh, I had um, uh, an uncle that died, and he—he uh, ca- he came to visit about three weeks after he died, and uh, that's a- another story. But uh, it was quite interesting the fact that Sandy. Um, I know he came to the house, and he used to smoke a uh, St. Bruno tobacco. And every time he used to come and stay with us, because we don't smoke, we it took about two or three weeks to get rid of the smell of St. Bruno tobacco. <laughs> after he died, there was a smell of St. Bruno tobacco in the house. And I didn't tell Sandy was there until about a week after that. And she said, you're not going to believe this, Kevin, but I can smell St. Bruno tobacco. <laughs> and, uh, I said, yes, it's Uncle Alec is here. Uh, Anyway, he he stayed for quite a while, but then he became a a bit of a nuisance. He was there all the time. (laughs) So I I told him, I actually banned him from the house, which I felt guilty. (laughs) guilty But but to me, he's just, although his his physical's gone, he's still there. So I I banned him from the house. And then it wasn't until I was writing the book, which is probably, I don't know, Thirty odd, maybe what we know, or thirty years, thirty-five years since I banned him from the house, and I was reminiscing about all the different things I've done and the different experiences I had. I thought, "Oh, I banned, Uncle Alec from the <laughs> house. I thought, oh, that was cruel. I shouldn't have done that." So I said to him, "I said, and I haven't had any contact with him since then." And I said, "Alec, I'm sorry. I apologize. I shouldn't have banned you from the house, but you're welcome to visit any time." Just don't become a nuisance. So I put that message out there to him. About three days later, I'm Sandy, had gone to bed. I'm watching the TV. Uncle Alec appears just by the smell of St Bruno tobacco. We have a conversation. I said, "Look, you're welcome anytime, time, uh, but don't become a nuisance." And uh, he had a complaint. He has the same complaint when he uh, when I first met him. So we addressed
2: that. And then uh, okay, okay,
1: okay, I have to go back to that. What what was it? Because uh, look, everyone, okay, so a lot of people perceive that when you leave your physical body, you've got nothing to complain about. Like, because you're pure, you know, you re-emerge to pure positive energy. You're in unconditional love. and There's nothing to complain about. So what would a spirit complain about? Was he an earthbound soul or had he re-emerged back to broader perspective? No, I mean, his, where, his, what was happening his, with Uncle Albert?
0: His, his complaint was that he died on his own, in his own home. And that was his complaint. But we knew he was dying. And he was at my home, Sandy's home. And we asked him to stay with us uh, so we could look after him in those final few days. And he was adamant he was going back home. So he went back home. We informed his friends and his neighbours who looked after him where he lived. uh, That We brought him back. It was his wish. In fact, I thought he died in the vehicle going over. He was that close to death, really. But he wanted to die at home. But when he came back after his death, he complained to me about dying on his own. And he obviously had that opportunity to stay with me and Sandy. And after that 35-year gap, the first thing he did was complain about dying on his own again, in the physical. That was the only complaint he had. Anyway, I didn't mention it to Sandy because it was so many years ago. So, Sandy
1: your wife.
0: So Sandy's my wife, yeah. Right, okay. Two days after that we're both, I'm watching the TV, Sandy's in the kitchen and she said to me, Kevin, you're not going to believe this. I can smell St. Bruno tobacco and I can feel that someone stood next to me. I said, hey, it's Uncle Alec. I spoke to him a few days ago. I explained I felt guilty about banning him from the house and, and, uh, and I, I told him he's welcome anytime. It hasn't been back since, and he probably won't now, But it, because he knows that he can come. Yeah. Uh, I, had so, some
2: re-
1: I had some really interesting communication about all that just then, if you're interested in knowing, if people are interested in knowing. Because, you know, the question begs, again, if we re-emerge back to pure positive energy and we don't identify with the personality body complex of who we've been, you know, we're that pure consciousness, that's been yeah. many. Why is he still engaging in that complaint and that personality? And they were just saying, "Well, that entity still still exists, and you can you can reemerge back into that entity that the thought forms, the complaint, the to heal that because it becomes part of your consciousness. The the lessons anyway. It's I, I this, is con- can't con- can't
2: this is a say bigger comp. This is a
1: bigger
0: comp. Understand it, but uh, uh, yeah, but I know he's happy now. He's happy. Yeah.
1: This is a bigger conversation than we've got time for here, but they were just okay. giving me, they were just downloading. You know how you talk about your downloads and you say oh, you yes. just get all this information that comes
2: yeah, just in, an like instant.
1: in an instant and to talk about it would take maybe an hour, but you've received it in an instant. So that's yeah. the, what I just got about that, which we can go into on another show. Okay. Let me ask you, when you were perceiving Uncle Alec, were you perceiving him through your physical eyes? Like, did you see him standing there as you would see Ought and D?
0: No, no. I oh. could feel the uh, changing vibration in the room. And on one occasion, uh, he he appeared when my brother was there, and I, my brother said, "Is he here now?" I said, "Yes." He sat in that chair over there, and I could perceive his energy sat in the chair at uh, the other side of the room. Um, you get
1: an image of him in your mind. Yeah. Um, I think you were doing I, I what I did. I didn't use my third
0: eye to see him, no. It was just purely uh, the, the other senses that we have, being able to pick up on the vibrational frequency, frequency, and particularly with Uncle Alec, the smell of that St. Bruno tobacco. Tobacco, yeah. Oh, it's very, very strong. I love the smell of it. I mean, I'm not a smoker, but I do like the smell of St. Bruno tobacco for some reason, but... Uh, I, um, okay
1: so how old were you when he was pestering you and you told him to go away you were, uh, you were oh, probably
0: in my late 20s early 30s so probably. you were already
1: married then right yeah yeah, yeah we were already
0: married and okay. Sunday living okay. in the UK still yeah all right uh, so we've
1: lost the chronological order haven't we but um it
0: yes, no,
1: doesn't all. matter this is <laughs> it's fascinating your experiences are just fascinating I love the way it all dovetails you know because you're talking about consciousness, you're talking about, you know, talking to the other side or to spirit or to dead people, if you like. You're talking about talking yeah. to um, ET beings or higher consciousness beings or aliens, the words, the labels we give, all that. You're talking about talking to spirit guides and spirit, you know, it's kind of like you've got the whole story sort of mixed in one and that's why I love it. It's fascinating.
2: What all I right.
0: find is they, they, what they've done, they've, educated me by giving me experiences and the theme and the thread of the education is one of consciousness Consciousness. itself, one of shared consciousness, Uh, not just with one another on the planet but with the trees, the plants, the animals, the whole of life, the ETs, our deceased members as we see them, that consciousness is a conduit for communication and uh, one might even go as far to say that the our conscious energy is the true life form, and we are here in the physical to experience a physical life and learn uh, so it increases our conscious energy and our conscious understanding and when we understand that and you can extend that to the ets uh, if uh, it takes away any fear of them because we all share that one consciousness and Uh, they're here to help us in that transition to a higher level of consciousness ourselves. We're being accelerated in our evolution. And to do that, we have to have an understanding of consciousness. And that's the thread that they've they've given me. That is the
1: crux of this whole conversation. That's the crux of every conversation I have on the show. That's it. You've just hit the nail on the head, Kevin. You've just put it all in a nutshell. That's it.
2: (laughs) Oh, that's good. (laughs) <laughs> yeah just
1: it's, it's absolutely it's expanding our awareness of our consciousness, who we are as infinite potential, creative potential, who we are as infinite multi-dimensional beings, what's possible for human potential, for spiritual potential, for consciousness potential, who we are, we're unlimited to yeah yeah, just yeah, that's what we're doing here, Kevin. <laughs> that's why you're no, on this great. show, that's <laughs> what we're doing here. <laughs> expanding that awareness because as humans we compartmentalize we we separate we we're we're so polarized that even amongst even within this conversation of life after death and ets and out-of-body experiences you know we're compartmentalizing it all into these different categories and it's really all dovetailing together it's all consciousness it's just all it is yes yeah.
2: it is
0: yes with the which include all the different modalities of contact, and I seem to have been given uh, just about all the different modalities of contact. I mean, they yeah. use dreams, they use telepathy, uh, they use downloads, which you're aware of. Uh, they obviously use the UFOs themselves, out-of-body experiences, uh, consciousness, even you know, physical uh, materialization in in the bedroom or in the bathroom, uh, channeling. Um, the whole uh, gamut yeah, yeah affecting yeah. street streetlights very often if they if i'm given a message or a download i always ask for confirmation not that i need it but i always ask for confirmation usually there's a synchronicity and then i'll ask for something specific uh like they give me a download about the quantum unified field theory uh-huh. which i knew nothing about and uh, uh they gave me the download and uh, i asked them uh, why they've given me the download. They said, so you have a rudimentary understanding of quantum mechanics and consciousness and where and how it exists. And they explained it to me, and I can't go into it, but I won't today. Um, and, uh, well, that's the, actually
1: I, fascinating. Um, I, I'd love to read that in the book. Uh, could, I mean, I know they've given you the download uh, because the thing about getting this information, it's, it's not, we get the information, but we don't always understand how it works. <laughs>
0: No, I'll give you a brief, the um, quantum unified field theory was quite simple really. What they said was your scientist's current understanding is correct with the four interactions and the four interactions I think they said were the weak force, the strong force, the electromagnetic force and the gravitational force. However there's a fifth interaction which is consciousness itself and if your scientists include consciousness, with their own understanding of their unified quantum unified field theory, uh, to in- include consciousness with the other four interactions that they already understand and aware of, then that will give them a, a fuller uh, understanding of their own theory itself. But they must include consciousness. Which is, helpful. and then it was the same with the. They gave me another download, which was the uh, uh, theory of everything. And they said, again, your scientists have a, a, a good understanding of the theory of everything. However, there's a measurement problem within the calculations. And the measurement problem relates to space, time, and dimension. Um, again, way above my head, But uh, and I asked them why they gave me the, and so, some more information they gave me. And um, they said, so I can have a rudimentary understanding of consciousness itself and I can explain it to others if I need to. Um, so, again, I must express it's a rudimentary understanding. They did say that with the um, theory of everything, that our understanding of um, entanglement, no, what did they say, no, I do think, I have to think what they said now. They said that we are correct with non-locality, duality, and entanglement. However, we need to include consciousness again, because the non-locality and duality with the entanglement of consciousness explains how we're able to communicate with you. Yes. Does that make sense? Oh, uh, that
1: absolutely makes sense. I've been thinking about this for years. And, um, yeah, go on.
0: (laughs) I was just going to say, so the non-locality and the duality means you can be in two places at one time. Yeah. The entanglement... Is the entanglement of consciousness within the non-locality and duality? That's how it was explained to me. So that explains a how I'm able to communicate with them, and b how I'm able to be in two places at one time using consciousness itself. Does that yeah. make sense?
1: Oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, no. there was one. There was one other contact modality that we haven't discussed, and that is um, what we've ta- we've um, looked at on the show. Um, when you were talking about when you're a kid wanting to know which bus stop line was less, you know, big, <laughs> and, uh, you would say that you would leave your body and go there and have a look. You can just project your consciousness. You can stay in your body and just like remote viewing, like remote yeah, view. Exactly the same probably as remote viewing, yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So well, you do. World, yes. Right.
1: Uh, so you don't have to physically time. leave your body like your astral. It, it's just like you just project your consciousness over there and take a look. Like just, uh, I'll go see how what's happening over there. Just
0: Well, it may well be, but my understanding was my consciousness was actually going up there and having a look. It was sort yeah, of but, a- but
1: not Your consciousness, but not your astral body. You weren't having oh, no, an no, astral no, I'm still... body experience. Yeah.
0: yeah. I'm, uh, I'd okay. walk yeah. yeah I yeah. would walk out to my apartment, stand at the gate, and then quick zip up to have a look what the line was up there zip yeah. down there What the line was down there yeah come back into my body and then make a choice of where i was going to go
1: yeah right so one of the questions i posed while i'm thinking of a million questions to ask you and i get the answers is i'm like how why are they giving this information to kevin and not to some scientist who can like sort this all out and they said because kevin's much more open than. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, I get that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's available to receive the information whereas most scientists are not.
2: <laughs> and I'm like, you know, yeah, and I, I,
0: yeah. I think we, the way our scientists are trained and we've got some brilliant scientists. Yeah, we have. Uh, we have. Yeah, they. Uh, I mean, we wouldn't be where we are today without our scientists, you know. so. Uh, but yeah, I suppose the contact with higher conscious beings, I mean, there are more and more scientists now accessing this information
2: themselves, I well,
1: think. You've given the clue several times during our conversation. I just relax and open. And that it's in that place of, of, not, of not asking, of not knowing, of not wanting, of not needing, just that place of pure relaxness, that place of peace and just like, and curiosity really. But it's not yeah. like I need to know or I have to know, or I want to know. It's just like, show me. it's the same place we watch television in it's a theta brainwave it's like i'm just going to sit and relax and just receive just watch it's that because you've said it many times i just relaxed and opened yeah and that's the place
2: yes
0: yes i use that term to my wife and says i don't understand what you mean by open your mind can you explain it to me and i said no (laughs) i just relax
2: and open my mind
1: (laughs) just relax and open it's just and that's the that's the whole crux of all this you know for people watching or listening to this saying i want to do that too how do i have those experiences relax and open your mind yeah relax and open
0: and i think we all have these experiences we just haven't been taught how to use them
1: Yes,
0: Uh, It's not part of our educational system.
1: Which is something I'm passionate about, making it a part of our educational system. You know, like I've got this vision of seeing it taught in every school, but before it hits the sort of mainstream schooling system, we have to have these smaller educational places, like whether it's on the internet like this or in a Mm. physical environment or, yeah, yeah. We need to just be educated on how to use our consciousness. Yeah, conscious experience okay so where are we with this story thank you for the uh, quantum stuff i loved it it was beautiful
2: okay. and
1: um you know when we really understand that in a practical way that's when we'll because uh, so many et's channeled through different people have said you know travel is doesn't take any time when you understand this it's like we talk about, from our scientific perspective, like travelling to Mars or different planets, it's going to take years or light years or whatever. But when you understand that quantum unified field theory, you can get mass to a different location in no time at all. And so, yes. like the beam me up Scotty type stuff.
0: <laughs> I can't say I fully understand this. I can explain what the information they've given to me. And they also gave me an equation for calculating the different vibrational frequencies and uh, right. they said the difference between the different dimensions is only the vibrational frequency but it exists at and there's a, uh, an equation they gave me for that but uh, i don't know anybody I've, I've given it to a few people but nobody seems to understand it which is which is fine i'm just a messenger
1: Oh, I know who you can give it to, like Dr. Rudy Shields. Okay, um, oh, oh, what I want, I want to it? ask you—I'll uh, connect you with some people that you can give it to. Okay, what I want to ask you is—you know—when you said you um, you went up outside the Earth and then you turned right and you're in another dimension and then Ord, Ort, 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 ord O R T, T. He showed you how to do that i had i had a lesson in this in a you know in an astral project, but i came back into my body and i had no memory of what they said to me but i asked that same question i remember waking up with the like with the memory of saying how do i move through dimensions i knew i wasn't physical i knew i was in another but i wanted to go through i wanted to go to different dimensions let's not call them higher or lower just different frequencies and i was taught but I woke up into my physical and I can't remember what they taught me. Oh. <laughs> what did they say to you about moving through dimensions? How did you get out of this dimension into that place where spirit lives?
0: Just by thought. Yeah, I just using by thought, thought. Using thought and consciousness itself. So thought no is a, particular thought is a creation part of it. And yeah. consciousness is a conduit.
1: But no particular thought did they say? You know, think this or feel this? Oh, no, your
0: own thoughts. If you want to go somewhere, have that thought again. Relax, open the mind. Use consciousness itself as the conduit for travel, for communication, for creation. The three things that okay. consciousness we can use.
1: It for. Okay. Okay. I'm getting some downloads about this now too. Uh, so Susie said, interestingly enough, Susie Hansen I told you about, when she was up on the craft, there was this light elevator in the craft and she said that when you got into this blue light, you were suspended in this blue light, you would think about where you want to go in the craft and that place was given a symbol. So you would just, you could either think about that place, like I want to go to the kitchen, let's just use it like a, like a house or bedroom or the office or whatever. And you would be instantly there. Or she said that you could use a symbol that represented that place, and again, you'd think about that symbol, and you'd be instantly there. So that's what you're kind of talking about, right? so like using. I suppose
2: so. Yes. I, yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I don't recall any time being uh, in a blue beam or anything. Uh, just <laughs> this... my own my own thoughts that allow you to um, to to um, create these things, to create the travel and. Uh, uh, I can give you a, another example that's probably out of sequence. Let me show look at my sequence.
2: <laughs> We're going in
1: the chronological <laughs> order of your life experiences. Well, yeah, it's so
0: it easy to understand, really, of But uh, uh, I, I suppose um, I, I, I'll just give you another brief example of it. I was about 32, I think, uh, and had been at work. I'd done a, a, a double shift where you come home, you have about five hours sleep and go back again at five o'clock in the morning. And uh, when I finished that shift the following day at two o'clock in the afternoon, I was extremely tired. And I usually go to, uh, to bed for a couple of hours till Sandy came home at five o'clock.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that was my normal routine because I was tired. On this occasion, uh, i took take my dogs out. I'd gone upstairs, I'd got into bed. And as I got into bed, a shadow person appeared in the bedroom. Now I'm used to seeing the shadow people, they're just another entity that exists at a certain vibrational frequency. Usually they're just a bit cheeky, Uh, they like to tease you, and you'll see them at the corner of your eye, disappearing behind a sofa or behind a piece of furniture. Uh, On this occasion, he looked at me directly in the eye and beckoned me, uh, which was most unusual. And I, I told him, I said, well, I'm tired, go away. I'm not interested in what you've got to say. So he left through the door, I just walked through the door and he came back a few minutes later and beckoned me again and he looked directly at me. And I said, no, I'm tired, leave me alone, come back later. So he left and he came back a third time. I said, oh, you're so persistent, you obviously want to show me something. So I said, right, okay, show me what you want me to see. So I got out of bed, I didn't get dressed I opened the bedroom door onto the landing and there was a beam of light. And I described the beam as light, like uh, on Trek, when they used to transport down to the planet and it was from floor to ceiling. So I just stepped in it. Well, you've gone through all this trouble to show me, it, so I stepped in it. As I stepped in it, I got a feeling of euphoria and uh, just complete euphoria. And then a voice spoke to me and he said, uh, uh no what did he say just scratched him really i am your father you are your father's son that's all he said and then uh, about four or five seconds later the beam disappeared from my from the ceiling and the floor and disappeared in my abdomen area i felt euphoric and uh, i was no longer tired at that time, I thought it was my deceased father, but I learned later that it wasn't. Um, but that was uh, a contact from Ra, one of the, the lead counsel of their group of eight. Um, I've spoken to him about that since, and uh, I still don't understand where uh, I am your father, you are your father's son come from. I think he's referring to uh, the a species, possibly, or the planet or whatever uh I, I haven't got a full answer to that uh but the fact that uh i was fully energized euphoric and uh uh i i didn't go back to bed uh when my wife came home i told her about the experience and we went out for a meal that evening we don't normally go out for a meal because i'm usually too tired uh but yes that was a, another contact with again one of the council of
2: eight or the lead council of eight, yes so, okay um, so this um
1: you know leads to the question that i've got posed what is your soul contract with these beings did you find out how your soul plays a role in this whole thing i mean have you sort of looked at your soul plan um what you
0: know? i understanding is now <clears throat> i think we have a soul plan that we agree to before we incarnate in this particular physical I don't have any particular memory of that, that's just what I've learned over the years in relation to other people that I've listened to, other people that have an understanding of that. And they inform me that that's what we do, all those that are interested in this particular subject and uh, are here to uh, share the knowledge,
2: here but we need yeah.
0: to do that pre-incarnation on this particular incarnation.
1: Did you ever ask Oort, you know, why me, or Why is all this happening to me? Who am I? What? What? What's my role in all of this?
0: Well, no, I didn't because I was just enjoying the uh, absorbing the information, uh, the extra traveling, sharing with my extra uh, interdimensional families, as it were. So now I was just lapping it up. I was just enjoying it. I never thought, why me? I just thought this is who I am, uh, this is what life is about. Again, it's just normal to me, and uh, uh, I'm quite happy with it. I've never had anything negative happen to me. It's all been positive, so uh, uh, I think I'm very fortunate. And as I say, if they hadn't have asked me to talk about it, I wouldn't have mentioned it to anybody.
1: I know that's the difference between you and I here. I have this intensely curious mind wanting to know why, who, where, what, what's happening. And you just like sit back and just enjoy the ride. I don't need to ask any questions. This is just fun, <laughs> <laughs> which is so interesting. It's the way Esther and Jerry Hicks, the teachings of Abraham, you know, you've heard about the teachings of Abraham.
2: Channels. Yes, yes. It's how that,
1: it's how that teaching came through because Jerry was full of questions. Wanted to know the meaning and the whys to everything. Esther had no questions. She was just like, I'm just enjoying the ride. Look at the pretty cows outside when she's driving in the country. It's like, I don't need to know why they're there. It's just, so there's that juxtaposition between uh, asking and answering. And that in that place of, of no resistance in that place of no question. You are this huge open vortex to receive, you know, to receive information, experience. Yeah,
0: that, that resonates with me, as you said, that, yes, sir. that does resonate with me. And I do enjoy, as you say, looking at me, my neighbor's got some cows. <laughs> i like the cows, the horses, the nature, <laughs> the trees. I just feel so privileged to be part of the, all this life. Uh, yeah an amazing thing really and uh, and if you are open information does come to you
2: yes. sometimes
0: unexpected times and, uh,
1: open uh, and joyful you know the, the thing that takes me about you is that you're so open and joyful and appreciative I mean we, oh, talk about appreciative. This. we talk about this so much in spiritual teaching it's like gratitude gratitude appreciation appreciation the more appreciative you are of life the higher your vibration The higher your vibration the more um power you have internal power you have to affect be more deliberate in how you create your world or affect change in your life or transformation yeah so when i speak to you you've got all those qualities you've got that openness appreciation joy
2: very
0: kind of you to say that so okay (laughs)
1: Where are we on this uh, journey? Okay, so the, the beam of light, which was Ra, I'm your father, you are yeah. your father's son. Yeah. Get, it kind of gives you some, you see, uh, that would have sparked about a million questions in me. It didn't seem to spark any questions in you. <laughs> okay. well, you I, just, about that? <laughs> I just
0: accepted it. It's, uh, my wife says I don't ask any questions. And uh, I think she thinks it's a fault for not asking questions. But now you've explained it. I think it's probably... Uh, I'm more acceptable of things and just happy. and
1: accepting, yeah, exactly.
0: Just that I'm here, you know, and there's so much beauty around us that we miss because we're so busy with our lives. There's all the birds, the insects, the the animals, the trees, the plants. It's just an amazing place to be. Uh, But you have to stop and take time uh, to look at it and enjoy it.
1: Stop and smell the roses.
0: yeah, Stop to Smell the Roses. Yes, yeah. We've we just had a trip to New York last weekend. and It's such a vibrant city. We had a great time. But everybody's moving so quickly. They're missing the beauty of life itself. Uh, well, they probably don't know that. but uh, uh, And they've got great lives up there.
1: But They're so busy going somewhere, you know, whether they're so striving for success or striving yeah. for better health or striving to be thinner yeah. and fitter and, you know, like richer and, just trying to be somewhere instead of being here now, yeah, I mean it's a cliché, but yeah, just be no, here and it
0: now is, it is, uh, and It's all right me talking about it, because uh, Sandy and I, um, I think we're quite privileged in respect that um, we've enjoyed our life together, and uh, uh, this is where we are now at this moment in time and we're enjoying this moment in time now uh, It's been a, uh, an unusual journey with its ups and downs like everybody's, I'm sure Wow. Uh, we we both appreciate where we are. I think.
1: Yes, exactly, exactly. All right. Well, let's get back to your journey. Where are we? We've we've skipped from. Okay. Well, I'm
2: moving a
0: little bit. On a little bit. Uh, on a little you bit went on. To
1: Thirty, where you had the um, beam of light experience, and
0: Right. Okay. Well, a little bit later on, now I'm moving a bit further, much further forward. Really, uh, I was traveling. I'll tell you this story. I was traveling on the astral plane which I do just for enjoyment, and I travel all over. And on this occasion, uh, a craft came alongside me. Inside the craft were two beings. There was O and D. I was invited onto the craft. I went through the craft, and the skin of the craft was conscious itself. Mm. And inside, O and D uh, showed themselves as two conscious energy orbs uh, orangey-yellow in colour, slightly vibrating. I went on to the craft, uh, I was speaking with them, and they wanted me to share a message with someone, uh, I can say the name now, uh, Dr. Stephen Greer. They gave me the message to convey to him, and I said uh, that I would convey the message. Uh, however, uh, we had some other conversation, and then uh, I left the craft, and then I went back into the craft because I said, dog. Oh, Dr. Grey will want to know who the message is from. And they said, tell him it's the light beings. I'd never heard of that term before. I expected them to say, tell him it's and D. and they said, <laughs> they're informing the messages from the light beings. So uh, I, I woke up and I came back into my body. I wrote the message down, the time, the date, and the actual message. And then I got up the following morning and I looked at the message and I saw I thought, I can't do that, I don't know this man. He'll think I'm mad giving messages from lightning. So I screwed it up and threw it in the trash. I thought, that's the end of that. The following evening, I went to bed. Uh, I wasn't travelling last to a plane. And Orton D came to me in a dream and said it was very important that I pass the message on uh, uh, for Dr Greer's safety. So I thought, the following day I thought about it, and I thought well I'll have to do something about it. If something happens to him and I've not given him the message I would never forgive myself. If I give him the message and he thinks I'm delusional or a lunatic then I can live with that, that won't bother me. Uh, but if something happened to him I could never live with that. So then I, I thought well how am I going to get the message to him? I had heard of him, I don't know him and so I went to my computer and I find if I ask for information, it'll come up and I turn my computer on. So I went and thought, I'll go onto to YouTube. I put his name in. And the first video on the top right-hand side was of the Disclosure Project. And sat next to Dr. Stephen Greer was a guy called Gary Hesseltine. Uh, Gary Heseltime was a police officer at the time in the area where I worked as a police officer. So that was a direct contact synchronicity there. So to cut a long story short, I contacted Gary Heseltine, who uh, actually uh, publishes the Truth magazine, which I published some uh, an article in later. And uh, I gave him the message. He conveyed it to uh, Dr. Greer. Uh, I got confirmation that he'd received it via Gary Heseltine. And then he sent me a photograph uh, of a light being that he had taken while out on a field trip sometime. So that was confirmation for me. And I felt a weight lifted off my shoulders when I'd given that message. And I asked them uh, later why they'd given me such a difficult message for myself to convey. And they said, because we wanted to see if you would convey messages from us. And and I did. And I have done a a couple of others now since then. I do find it difficult to give messages to other people because... uh, um, um it's quite strange someone you don't know talking about uh extraterrestrial beings giving you a message by telepathy or traveling on the astral plane but i know on a couple of occasions when i went back and i was traveling on the astral plane they came along in the craft and uh, i said let me see if i understand this correctly i said we are uh, two different species or similar species within different dimensions fifth and third we are three of us are traveling on the astral plane in a craft which is conscious as pure conscious energy ours. They said, yes, that's correct. So, uh, that was so where we are able to do that. They're able to do that, but we just don't, we haven't been taught how to do
2: it. Yeah.
1: Okay. So one of the questions was, did you know who Stephen Greer was at the time? But you said you did, You you had heard about him. Uh, and you got the message to him. What was the message?
0: It was, uh, they wanted him to change his itinerary for a particular date. He was in some danger.
1: Was there any, I was going to say, any reason for that he was in some danger? And did he?
0: I don't know. He got the message, and that was the end of my job as far as I was concerned. He's still alive and kicking today, so uh, uh, I'm sure. Whether he changed his itinerary or not, I don't know. You would have to ask him, He may
1: not even remember the event. He may not. Look, I'm sure, I'm sure that when something like that happens, you're not the only messenger. So, you know, when, when spirit or higher consciousness or um, non-physical consciousness, what do we call these people? Um, Yeah. Wants to get a message to you, it knocks itself out, you know, and it it sort of goes through a few different channels. Yeah. Um, A few different channels, which is, which is, Answering a question that I pose when people talk on the internet about that all this stuff, and then they and they always talk about how they're in imminent danger because there is some control force that doesn't want them to talk about it. And I'm thinking, well, couldn't they just knock you off <laughs> you know,
2: like if they didn't? Well, want yeah, you to, exactly. If they didn't oh, want yeah. you to talk yeah.
1: about it, wouldn't it be easy for you for them just to knock you off? Because, um, yeah. But uh, I suspect that um, yeah, there is messages coming through to help people like that, like uh, yeah. Yeah.
2: Now
0: I'm not certain whether he was in any danger or not that's what they told me. Uh but my lesson was to uh to see if I would convey the message and I did. And you did. And, and have did.
1: you you've been given other
0: um I've been other give, been given other messages that I have conveyed? yes. Um,
1: and do yeah. you like doing that sort of thing? Like No. <laughs> I don't want to be your
2: messenger boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I do. Uh,
0: so occasionally I don't, but uh, uh, sometimes I will get messages from deceased family members of you know, other other families, and uh, I don't particularly like doing that. I think it's in, as an intrusion on people's grief and things like that. So I, I don't do that. Um, if the information I'm getting is related to the ETs and um, uh, them revealing themselves to us, Uh, then i will share that information
1: yeah yeah absolutely yeah you know i'm just thinking about your bio how it says ufo i think we have to stop calling them ufos because that means unidentified object and i think that when you're seeing them when you're perceiving them you know exactly what you're perceiving so they're not unidentified at all they're like oh there's there's a (laughs) ship up there (laughs) (laughs) my wife took a photo of it
2: (laughs) i see
0: them all the time in different uh, uh, locations and they're about, and they, they show themselves to me uh, as communication. Uh, I Even in New York, I read it, I was just reading an article. I finished reading the article about UFOs and uh, them showing themselves. I looked out of the window and over uh, the um, central part there, about 20 sparkling lights appeared. There were UFOs just changing formation, letting me know that they were there, and confirming I'd read the article, and it was important to read the article. So, uh, but to me, that contact and communication is ongoing all the time.
1: Ongoing all the time. So it's, uh I yeah, I, I so they answered the question before I even asked it. So I was just going to say you're still receiving this, and they've gone yes. <laughs> That's obvious, and I go okay, okay. All right, we've been yakking for like it's been nearly two hours, or maybe it was a bit less because it took me a while to get on because.
2: Yeah, eighty o'clock on every start,
1: didn't we? Well, yes, because it took me about half an hour because my camera wouldn't work, which has never happened before. So they do like to play with the electronics. So I just said to them after I rebooted my cam, uh, my computer. Okay, guys, help me out here. Can you get the camera working <laughs> yeah, 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 again? And there it came. And I'm like, thank you. Yeah. So yeah, they were messing, messing with me, messing with the electronics. How do you feel about doing some channeling? Maybe.
2: Uh-
1: I know you're not feeling real crazy about it.
0: Oh, no, I'm not at the moment. actually, no. I've uh, what I've d- decided to do in relation to the channeling, I'm going to hold back on it for a while. I've got um, I've been channeling now for three years, and uh, I we I've done it with a small group of people. We've recorded the channeling and written it down, and uh, and I'm going to put it in the in the second book.
2: Okay. But
0: my main mission was the in relation to getting the information out in those channels
2: yes.
0: um, I now have probably one or two channels to do that are important uh, so I'm not doing them per se now as for entertainment values shall we say saying, or because I have the message now I have the information I have to put it in my book and um, I'm trying to uh speak with a group at the united nations and um uh, i've already uh, someone has asked if i can speak to this particular group of the united nations now if they allow me to speak to this group then i will do a channel there uh but at the moment i've decided that i don't really need to uh, there's uh, two or three channels out there on the youtube that people can watch of me doing them and uh, I have have the same message throughout the channels. Uh, So I feel as if I've accomplished most of that mission now. And I don't need to do it. I've got a much bigger mission to achieve, um, which I'm currently working towards. And uh, what they're asking me to do, they want to actually reveal themselves in their physical form at our United Nations. Now, this has been tried in the past. And uh, we failed, failed to do that. Uh, The last time, I believe, was October the 10th, October the 15th, 2010, by a guy called Stanley Fulham. He had contact exactly the same as mine. I wasn't aware of this until I was interviewed by a guy called Alfred Lambermont Weber. And he was aware of that information. And when I spoke to him about the reveal, and uh, I've actually been given the time and date of when they want to do that and the um how i was given that information i was woken up at uh uh, february the first this year at one 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 a.m and as i said before there's always a synchronicity they woke me up by the sound of a craft directly above the house now i've
1: heard you say that your birthday's february 2nd right it is. Yeah, yeah. And you're working up on Feb 1st. I've got a couple of good friends whose birthdays on the Feb 1st. I don't know if there's any significance to that, but it's interesting that you say that at 111. So they work you up on the 1st f- of the 2nd at 111. Interesting. Yeah.
0: So they they then gave me the location of the reveal, uh, which was the United Nations. So I said, "What about the rest of the information?" They said that uh, they will give me that later, so the time and the date. So I walked into my bathroom and there's a, a street light outside the bathroom window. So I repeated the message back to them. I said, if that message is correct, can you turn that street light off now? And it went off immediately. So that was confirmation for me. So I went back into bed and went to sleep. I was woken up at about quarter to eight in the morning by someone jumping on my bed twice. I thought one of my dogs had come into the bedroom, they're not allowed in there, but, uh, uh, and jumped on the bed. Anyway, when I opened my eyes, there was nobody there. I was given the second part of the message, which was the uh, date and the time. So I've now got the location, the date, and the time. So, um, I then went into the bathroom, it's now daylight. I repeated the message back to them, and I said, right, if this message is correct, Can you turn the streetlight on? Bearing in mind it's broad daylight. The streetlight came on immediately. So that was a confirmation for me. And then a couple of days after that, I was asked to give that information to eight people. And I contacted all eight people, one of them being Dr. Greer, and uh, all prominent people who were working in the field of consciousness or with ETs or UFOs, and uh, I sent them all the email with the time, with the date, and the location. So those eight people have that, they can do what they want with that. And uh, I've got no restrictions, they've got no restrictions. What I've decided to do, if uh, I'm allowed to speak at the group at the United Nations, I will reveal the date and the time of the uh, reveal when they want to reveal themselves. I'm comfortable doing that now, I'm very confident with the information they've given me. And I I believe while I was in New York last week, I went down to look at the United Nations, where the building was, how you gain access, and uh, familiarising myself with the planes. And then uh, to see 15 to 20 uh, UFOs appear uh, over the Central Park, I'm sure no one else saw them, but I did after reading the article. Now, again, that's confirmation for me that I'm on the right path. And I'm hoping in the next few days, uh, the decision has gone to the the executive board to see if I can go and speak to this. It's a spiritual group at the United Nations. So, uh, And if I can get to that point, then I will give them all information in relation to the dates and time. And then they can do with it what they want. We've been here before. Uh, they do stipulate that they want a... A mandate Protocol implemented at the UN in relation to receiving the extraterrestrials. I know there are different groups working towards this. The wcetc one thats the World Coalition for Extraterrestrial Contact—which consists of a group of Russian, Chinese, uh, American, and European scientists, leading scientists I may add—who are lobbying the UN as we speak. And there are other groups lobbying the UN as we speak. I'm just a single individual, but reinforcing that, uh, and I have now the date and time, so I will reveal that at that. I know it's not the UN Assembly Hall, but there are people there who are in the spiritual field who work at the United Nations, and it may take me to the next I I do
2: what I'm asked to do.
1: Okay. Okay. I've got so many conversations going on in my head right now. <laughs> I'm just trying to sort one of them out. Um, the reveal, the reveal. People are talking about disclosure. Lots of people are talking about disclosure. Lots of people saying, "Why don't they reveal themselves on the light on the White House lawn?" It sounds like it sounds like um, as a as mass consciousness who are focused on that, we are creating that because we're the creators of our reality. So there's lots of people saying that, lots of people saying, why don't they, why don't they, why, you know, show yourself, show yourself. So as a mass consciousness, the more critical mass, you know, the more people that think about it, the more people that ask it, the more people that want it, the more we create that experience. Yes. And um, it sounds like we're creating that experience and you're a big part of that um, experience of disclosure. So what I've been told... Uh, through channels and from my own mob is that um, m- m- many okay many some people in the united nations are very aware of uh, the extraterrestrial thing going on uh, so i asked the question when i've heard you talk cook about this why do why do why do they need to do this and they said simply for that reason that People need that physical proof, you know, rather than the contact modalities that we've spoken about. Like, um,
2: I would say so. so That
0: that would, it's all right for people like myself and other experiences. We accept the fact that we are already in contact with the extraterrestrials, the higher consciousness beings, and we don't need a disclosure because we are comfortable. But for all the the majority of the population who don't know, who don't have the abilities, are in contact. The disclosure is really for them, and that will change their perception of who we are and, and yeah. change uh, humanity's uh, future. I did ask why uh, they what was special about um, the the date of the uh, reveal, and they said it wasn't the date of the reveal that was important. It was the day after reveal, which would be the first dawn on a new humanity.
1: Yes. It'll change everything. Okay, I know you're not going to tell us the date, but is it no. soon? Is it like in the next
0: year? I can tell you that. It's next year. It's next
1: year. year. Well, that's very soon.
0: It is, isn't it? Yeah. So, Will, as you know, you are guided and you are led by your ET guides. They have got me to this stage within 18 months yeah. where I can address a group at the United Nations from being just not involved in any of this whatsoever. From being I mean, some
1: dude called it, Kevin that's had a few experiences. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And uh, if you want to see a channel, I, ha- I was asked by my ET guides to put a channel on YouTube. Yes. what one of the I, I did last
2: year. I did.
1: And I watched it only because I heard you talking about it on another show because I tell you what, Kevin, when I Googled you through YouTube, and YouTube's owned by Google, I couldn't find many other sessions of you talking, only two. And so, you know, I know only the, the thing about Google is you've got to put, because I put in your name and I put in ET contact and in the title of your YouTube, you didn't have that. And the title helps people find you because Google picks it up. So I sent a message to Sandy on the YouTube saying, you know, if you put Kevin's name and what he's talking about in the title, it'll help people find that, that YouTube. But I'll put the link um, to that under um, the YouTube, and I'll put it also on my uh, my page on my website. I'll put the link to that you channeling that message.
0: and, um, the, um, and he rather they channelled through me, and he speaks of um, co-creation of the reveal using our consciousness and their consciousness, which is reinforcing what you said yes uh, we, uh, we're, we're
1: creating it we're creating it ben, and what they're saying ben. is it's you know a- anything that is creative collectively as a consensus reality is created yes. through critical mass and yes. they've explained this to me through fashion which was something i was you know interested in as a oh, girl yes. as a young girl yes. they said think about fashion you know look at the way that fashion has changed throughout the years um you know throughout the eons of time and uh once there's consensus believes that this is what's fashionable it takes critical mass it takes a percentage of people to say yes we agree that this we like this then it just shifts through the minds of you know everybody and um, they showed me this by um, one time i saw there was years ago in the 90s you know There was this fashion of wearing a singlet over a t shirt. And I remember seeing that, thinking, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Within a couple of years, I was wearing it and thinking I looked great. And they said, (laughs) See how it worked on you, Karen. And I'm like, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, when did I decide that that looked good? At some point, everyone, there were enough people that said, This looks good. And then I was agreeing with them. And this is what consensus reality is all about and how we how we evolve and shift throughout our collective
2: consciousness
0: yeah i would agree with that and uh, i've asked my et guys the higher conscious beings whatever you want to call them uh, is there yeah. anything else they want me to do
2: yeah
0: and they uh, they say no just keep uh talking about your experiences with us and that's what we're asking you to do so that's what i do and uh, but by talking about it uh we are la- raising the vibrational frequency and more and more people are talking about. And that in itself changes. It's a paradigm shift in our consciousness. And like you say, we then co-create that with the ETs, and uh, we'll reach that tipping point. And I've already been told that we have reached that tipping point. We are there now. And we have tried this in the past and failed, uh, but obviously they're trying again. So hopefully, but it is dependent on this Monday protocol. And I did actually write to the the chairman of the Outer Space Space Affairs Committee at the UN, uh, Nicholas Hedman's office, and asked him uh, if there was a protocol in place. And he said, no, there wasn't. And then I asked him, how would we do that? And they said, we'll have to get a member state uh, to make a proposal to that effect, a mandate proposal. So I contacted the office of uh, Nikki Haley at the time. uh, but I didn't receive a reply from that. Um, but I did what they asked me to do. So uh, And then they asked me to write to the, the president. So I was a bit, <laughs> I didn't really want to do that. But I thought about it for a couple of weeks. And then I did write to him explaining about the uh, uh, reveal, about the ETs wanting to contact and, uh, and to see if he could follow up with Nikki Haley at the time. And uh, I mailed it, registered mail, um, certified mail. They did receive it uh, and I mailed it on the 29th of July. I remember the date because it was my wife's birthday. So uh, that
1: that was to President Trump, right? Yes, it was. "Mm, And it was
0: the father that asked me to do that one Sunday morning. He woke me up and asked me to do that. And I didn't want to do it. Um, You know, I've done everything else they've asked me, but I realized the importance of it in relation to, as you say, raising that. Uh, consciousness
2: awareness. and the
0: fact that you speak about it, I'm sure President Trump never even read it. It wouldn't have got on his desk, uh, but the person at the White House will have read it, I'm sure. Um, and um,
1: yeah, they're telling me that um, they're telling me that uh, he hasn't read it yet, but they're saying that people have. I want to talk about. I want to talk about the third wave that Susie speaks about because it's, it's interesting that you talk about the day after the reveal is the important date, not the day of the, she said that when the third wave of volunteers are people that are not speaking about this, there are people that are completely consciously aware of who they are, why they're here, that have come into this physical life experience to put themselves in positions where they will be inside politics, inside councils, inside business, inside you know normal mainstream worlds doctors and scientists and nurses and and they will be in place so that when the shift does hit the fan <laughs> they will be
2: <laughs> You've got to say that carefully. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they will be there ready to continue their work and help others acclimate to this new awareness and I'm and shocked. they're the third wave of volunteers. And she said that, and they're not the people like us speaking about it, or writing books about it, or even going to meditation courses or yoga classes or whatever. They're they're kind of aware, and maybe they do yoga and meditation. But um and they they have they're the social entrepreneurs too. They're the they're the difference makers. They're people that are are inside business and commerce creating business and commerce but at the same time they're giving back to the humanity into the whole like you know there's a place there's in sydney in australia there's thank you products and they make products that we buy like water and soap and stuff and then the profits go to helping create water and stuff in africa and stuff like that you know what social entrepreneurs are yeah, about so so they're inside commerce and politics and all sorts of systems and they're the third waivers. And they will be known once the shift hits the fan. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and again, they're coming in in this arch. They've been coming in for years and they will continue to come in. It's not a finite group of people. Uh, yeah, so it's really fascinating what you said about the day after reveal uh, or disclosure, as it's been called. That- and I'll
0: say if I, I'm allowed to uh, uh, address the spiritual group at the united nations i will reveal the date to them
1: yeah yeah
0: and i will do it i will do a channel for them uh and uh, i know that art will speak through me and he will probably give them the uh,
2: dates and time yeah ah Kevin,
1: fascinating stuff just fascinating i know there's so much more that we could talk about but we Probably need to wrap it up now because you, you probably need to go to bed. It's getting late over there. So.
0: I'm 45 it is, so.
1: Not too bad. <laughs> ah, beautiful. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with people before we wrap it up?
0: Um. No, I must say it's been a pleasure being on your show and I do thank you once again. Uh, I have this message and uh, uh, without people like yourselves, I cannot get this message out there. Uh, um, but the infrastructure is already there Uh, I just have to talk about it I've got the easy bit now Mm -hmm. I'm happy talking about it I'm confident in my abilities I'm confident in in the information and the ET contact that I have with the different guides with the particular council so I'm very comfortable Uh, and um, as I say there are no guarantees Uh, if the mandate is not uh, implemented then they obviously Uh, won't reveal themselves anyway but uh, uh, we will have to wait and see with that and I say it is next year so not too far to go and if I am accepted to speak at this spiritual group of the United Nations I will reveal that date to them and then I'm sure that information will spread throughout the United Nations and throughout the business communities and the humanitarians that are interested in our planet, our humanity
1: Yes well, next year is going to be a big year. I've had many people on the show and my guides have said the same. They've not given me any details. They said, hold on to your hat, kids. You know, hats, <laughs> kids. We're going to for a wild ride next year. There is
0: one one last thing I could share with you, and I think is important. I recently spoke at a conference, contact and, consciousness and contact conference in South Dakota. And... Uh, uh, while we were there we had numerous sightings of uh, et craft and uh, um but while we were there there was a, uh, a prophecy that uh, i wasn't aware of that no one was aware of in relation to uh, et contact and it was a prophecy given on 20th of july 1969 by a mystic in brazil called chico javier
1: oh chico javier yeah Hmm.
0: And he said if we had 50 years without a third nuclear, uh, third world war, sorry, uh, then um, we will continue in a long period of peace and the ETs will make um, uh, direct contact in the physical as it were. Well, on the 20th of July, uh, at that particular conference, a, uh, a craft appeared. And it was there for one hour, 20 minutes. And we all saw it. There were many other crafts seen as well, but for shorter periods of time. Uh, and the date of the craft appearing was the 20th of July, 2019, 50 years to the day of the prophecy.
2: Makes
1: me want to cry. <laughs> oh, wow. When you say a craft, was did you see it like a, like a cloud shaped like a craft or was it actually visible like a solid craft? It was a
0: visible craft, it was fluid in nature, around it it had a halo and the silver centre to it, which was the craft itself, was it would stretch out and then I thought it was going to split into three at one time, then it would go back into one. And it was directly above us for an hour and 20 minutes. We all saw it. We, there were three of us in the group, asked the ETs to show us a craft. And none of us were aware of this prophecy at the time, and the, uh, the craft did appear now. But uh, um, it was, I think possibly, it was the caliber of the group that were at the conference that allowed the craft the level of consciousness there that allowed the craft. I don't think any individual, and certainly not myself, I'm a very small piece in a very large jigsaw,
2: yeah.
0: uh, but the group's consciousness uh, allowed the ETs to show themselves for one hour 20 minutes.
1: Beautiful. Did you take photos? Any photos of that?
0: We weren't allowed to take photos at the conference, so we didn't take any.
1: So nobody took photos of that? No. Hmm. Oh, I'm sure there's a photo out there somewhere. I mean, because you were outside, weren't you? The craft was outside. You can't take photos. Outside. Anyway. Yeah, we
0: were outside, but we, at this particular venue, we weren't allowed to take photographs. So that was part of the uh, um, rules and regulations, so I would say. But okay. I can't say anymore because it was sensitive. All right.
2: Okay. Okay.
1: Oh, Kevin, thank you so much again for being on the show. And I look okay. forward to hearing more from you. Uh, uh, I'd love to have you back in the inner sanctum next year. We can, things will have changed and um, we'll see what happens. You might be too busy next year. Cause I know that you're going to, I know that I've got you at a time where you're not so busy, but you're going to get really busy being on people's shows and asked to talk, you know, that mandate of yours of speaking is going to become a, a real reality.
0: Uh, that's, that's the next big step yeah. in relation for myself. Uh, and obviously I, I know I, as you know we're all being guided uh the ets have their own plan we're just helping along uh to get to that end goal they know what the end goal is they know what's going to happen and they they are working towards it and i I could get a message tomorrow tonight or uh asking me to do something else or contact someone else so
2: yeah uh, yeah uh,
0: but yeah when you think within 18 months from uh where when i was asked to write the book the position i'm in now it's uh, clearly being guided by
2: some higher absolutely
1: and it's been as i say it's been a real joy and a pleasure to have you on the show and to um before you get too busy and i have to like queue up to get you back on the show
0: (laughs) 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 i've loved talking to you karen it's been very
2: enjoyable
0: i've thoroughly enjoyed myself and again i want to thank you uh, for inviting me, because uh, without you, I wouldn't be able to get my own message out there. And I feel your enthusiasm and your vibration in relation to your own contact with your own ET
2: guys, which is. Uh, the mob.
1: Well, some of them are ETs and some of them are uh, not. But yeah, there's a there's a mob of them. Yeah, there's a. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay, but well, definitely well. the uh the um definitely connected to many races. I've asked about who I am because I've got a curious mind and I've been told.
2: Okay. And who did uh, the same? Room. Well, I said you're
1: just as curious as a spirit as you are as a human being, you think that you haven't been everywhere and seen everything, and I'm like, oh, yeah, (laughs) totally.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But you don't remember, that's the problem. (laughs) I don't. That's the problem. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Thanks again for being on the show. Okay,
0: Karen, thank you very much. Bye-bye.
1: Oh, wow. (laughs) I knew Kevin would be a good one. Uh, fascinating man fascinating man fascinating man as i always do more chatting with him after i turn off the recording and he revealed so much more we had so many more chats and i always say i wish he would said that on the show but anyway you can't talk forever can you but fascinating man i'm going to connect him to a whole lot of people so i can get his message out there and talk about this stuff much more you know i've had grant cameron on the show grant's the ufo guy but he just wants to talk about consciousness now. Everyone wants to talk about lights in the skies and spotting craft and, you know, all that physical evidence. And he goes, yeah, 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 that's, you know, fascinating because we we're all craving for that physical evidence. But he wants to talk about consciousness, <laughs> which I think um, Kevin would be a great match with Grant. Talk about consciousness. He's got so much to talk about. So what did you think about all that? Let me know with your um, comments underneath them. Send me an email if you've got your stories to share because, as I was saying, the second wave of volunteers, as Susie says, is about the people that are sharing their experiences. And it's not just ET experiences. It's about any experience, talking to your dead relatives, psychic experiences, healing experiences, consciousness experiences, just your experiences with expanded perspective, expanded consciousness, your awakening journey to, you know, a different perspective or perception of this physical world and what it's all about and when you're awoken and how you awoke and what happened to you as we keep talking about it as we keep sharing our experiences we create this critical mass within the you know collective consensus and we change the world that way that's how the second wave of volunteers are changing the world we're talking <laughs> we're talking we're, communicators. we're connectors. We're talking to each other, we're sharing our experiences and that's what I do with the shows and that's what I do in the you know, the in Awakening Soul Series. If you've got a story to share that you maybe don't want to come on camera on the show or you, you, you don't think it's anything much, you know, just write it down. Send it to me on the Awakening, um, what's the name of the website, Awakening AwakeningSoulSeries.com website where you can um, send your, submit your story. It doesn't have to be special or different. It just needs to be, you know, I don't know what it needs to be. It needs to be good, I suppose. <laughs> I don't know how I how I uh, judge that. Uh, okay, I guess you need to be ready to do that, yeah. And, and many people are not and sometimes it takes them years to get ready and that's what we do in the Inner Sanctum too. I've got people that are um, preparing to share their stuff more and they're writing their things down. We're putting it in the book series and and they're kind of getting ready to be someone who shares of themselves more. And that in itself is a personal growth you know, journey to put yourself out there as somebody who shares, somebody who talks, somebody who has um, a listenership, and audience, either through reading books or having a YouTube channel or you know, having a radio show or going on other people's radio shows and sharing their experience. It's it's uh, not easy to put yourself out there. So many people have had these extraordinary Higher dimensional spiritual expanded awareness experiences are very empathic, or very sensitive, or they're not people that like to put themselves out in front of the camera. They're the behind the scenes people, a bit like Kevin. You know, he said, "Had my guides not told me to write the book, I would never have told anybody. I wouldn't have spoken about it." And so I'm the I'm the one that's boots on the ground. You know, it's here in this physical body to help you be uh, a little bit more courageous and coming forward. And uh, that's what I do with my tribe. And um, there are plenty of people out there that are very brave and rambunctious and out there and look at me, I've got something to say, look at me, listen to me, listen to me. But the people that I attract are not like that. I'm actually not like that either. It took me years to put my face on YouTube. So that's what we do on the show and in the Awakening Soul series. And um, we are part of the second wave. The second wave is... And first waivers and third wavers. I think I'm sort of a part of all of it, you know, the healers. Yeah, the light beings, the star beings, the light workers, the light weavers, the difference makers. More of a generic term, the difference makers. <laughs> anyway, I just loved Kevin. I just thought, I thought he was fascinating. I put him in my sort of, you know, how I rave about Garnet Schulhauser, in that they're a similar age. They don't have similar experience, but they had their guide sort of turn up and say, right, get out there and do your work late in the game, you know, late late in the earth game called physical life, like later in life. 18 months ago it was for Kevin when he said they asked him to write the book. And uh, so, yeah, it was Garnet was 56 when his um, spirit guide Albert turned up and he's in his 60s now. And uh, so they're out there sharing their experiences. So in that they're similar and they're both delightful, beautiful, you know, easygoing human beings. Garnet is like they... They're not the big questioners of the world. They just sit back and relax and enjoy the journey. And both of them have enjoyed their life. They haven't had too many, you know, dramas in life. They've just sort of gone for a great ride. Anyway, I found them similar in many ways. Love you all. (laughs) Thanks again for watching the show. And uh, if you want to talk to Susie Hansen about the third wave, the three waves of volunteers, you know, Dolores Cannon has spoken about it, but Susie just goes into it in much more detail. And, um, and look at who you are, where you are and the spectrum and why you're here and what you're here to do. You know, Join us in the Inner Sanctum. She's coming in uh, mid-September, 15th, 16th, 16th here in Sydney, 15th in the US, to talk to our tribe and uh, you can ask her questions about her experiences as an ET contactee, Dual Soul Connection. Her book, The Dual Soul Connection, is amazing. Yeah, she's amazing amazing people out there so next year big year next year watch our kids hold on your hats it's going to be a big year i wonder i often wonder my guide said that to me about this year and i haven't found it to be but maybe not in my life maybe in the lives of others they've had big things happening uh but next year yeah we'll have to see what kevin said about the big reveal you know everyone's talking about disclosure disclosure if the world at large will be made aware of our cosmic cousins (laughs) our cosmic brothers and sisters we'll see we'll have to wait and see 2020 be interesting anyway I'm going to stop raving now buy the book (laughs) awakened by Death. come into the inner sanctum if you need some private coaching I'm here to help you with guidance about all this and uh, love you all
2: speak soon